People are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in those days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is, this is God's word. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Hey, remain standing. We're going to pray together. Lord Jesus, we come to you as, as, as your people, and we are asking for you to um, allow us to yield to the Holy Spirit. We're asking for you to give us the grace to hear your word, not just respond to it intellectually, but for you to do a work in our hearts. We ask, Lord, that you would speak through me by your grace, Lord, knowing that if you're not empowering and you're not moving, then I'm just another man up here just talking. We pray that your holy word would not fall to deaf ears this morning, but you would speak to all of us so that you might be exalted. To you be the glory, Jesus. We love you. In Christ's name, amen. Please be seated, guys. All right. Man, I love that song. So That was cool. So good, so, so good to me. You guys tried something new there and there. Y'all tried to say it all, like different words. I thought they were speaking in tongues. I was like, what happened? But... Like that, you know what I'm saying? Taking risks with Jesus. So, I hope everybody's doing well as we jump into the Word. If you need Bibles, you see our godly men holding up those Bibles. And we're, again, we just want to keep making a proclamation for you to, um, for you to either bring your Bible, grab a Bible, or if you even uh, are at your house and like, man, I don't have a Bible, but I wish I had a Bible. Man, talk to us. We, want to, we would love to equip you uh, with the words. We will process that with you. We want people to, to know what God is saying. Again, we want to be able to continue to learn how to navigate through the text uh, while we're presenting the, um, the gospel. So that's our heart there. Uh, we also like to encourage you, if you're new, that we um, encourage you if, you, need, if you have questions that you would like to ask, we encourage you to do so, uh, especially if they're going to add value uh, to the covenant community. Our heart is that we want people to get smarter, we want people to know more about Jesus, most importantly, we want it to inform our worship. And so there's uh, something that God does when we are kind of chopping it up together for the sake of God's honor. So I just want to free you up to, to be able to ask questions. Um, we are in our, I don't know how many weeks we've been in Acts. We are in Acts chapter 2. We are going through the book of Acts. In our, in our local community, what we try to do is we, our heart is to go through every book in the Bible. Uh, that's our desire. Um, we've gone through a bunch of books, and then we try to take little breaks and do some topical things. But our, our crux is that we want to be diving in and understand what God is saying in his word. And so right now we're in Acts, and we'll be in Acts for some time. I want to really encourage you, uh, if you are just now coming in to listen to some of the other sermons because it is important as you're trying to learn how to study the scriptures that you have uh, the backdrop of what's happening uh, in the historical narrative and that you can just kind of walk through the text. So we would encourage you um, to know that you've come in on a moving train, want you to go back and maybe listen to the other sermons, but hopefully even the sermon itself, um, as we're discussing this, this certain pericope would make sense and you'll be encouraged and know a little more or hopefully be affirmed in the gospel. Um, we're in Acts chapter 2 which is where we'll be going. So if you can turn uh, to your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, we'll jump right in. want to remind you to, uh, I think on your program, you can write down your notes uh, on the back or middle. I forget where it is, but you can open that up and find that place and uh, jot down some notes, guys. So we jump right in here. Let me just catch us up to speed real quick. Um, we, we talked about um, in Acts, uh, Acts was written by, uh, Acts and the Gospel of Luke was written by, by Luke. Uh, we've affirmed that. And uh, that basically it was one book, uh, and then they, they broke it down into two, into two books. Uh, so historically it was one book, and he was talking to uh, this very well-known, uh, very astute person, Theophilus, uh, which means right, the, the God, of, God of love, um, 
And he was trying to encourage this man uh, first uh, that Jesus is the best, right? That Jesus is it, uh, that he should love Jesus, he should walk with Jesus. And then it was trying to use uh, the historical account that we have, uh, that he has in Luke, and also the historical account that he was gathering um, and, and almost participating in in Acts, right? Because actually he was gathering the things in Luke, and he was actually gathering and participating in some of the things in Acts. And so he, he brings us up to Theophilus, and what he, he starts by telling you about the the good works and the things that Jesus did and, and him down on the cross and being validated as king. And then he goes on to talk about the start of what we now know as the church, as, uh, as Ecclesia, as we currently know Ecclesia, even though the people of God has always been the people of God even before uh, Pentecost. He goes on to talk about this reality that uh, King Jesus dies on a cross. Everyone's frantic, not knowing what to do. And then this uh, sacrificial lamb actually rises from the dead to show that he's not just a, a sacrificial lamb, but he actually is the Lion of Judah. He rises from the dead. And then he basically tells his people that now you see me, you can touch me, I'm hanging with you, I'm re-equipping you theologically. Uh, I, am, I am the man, right? This is Jesus. Uh, now you can, you can be excited about where we're headed. So these guys get really hype. He said, but hold up. Wait a minute. You need some power. You're going to need something to accomplish this task that I have for you. Okay. And so then he says, so you wait here, hang out, and then I'll provide you with uh, basically this power on high. And so we spent the last couple of weeks talking about what's baptism versus filling and what does that look like. And, and, and hopefully one of the conclusions we've come to is that basically baptism is, is an inaugural sense of like identification, immersion, being part of a, as a believer of God, but also is a time where, uh, where when God wants to supernaturally empower some ministry, right, in an inaugural sense, in the beginning sense, he baptizes us. And then what also happens throughout our life as Christians, because the same, G, same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead actually lives in us when we become believers, right? He, he draws us to himself by the Holy Spirit, and then he makes us alive. We are dead, right? We're not hurt. We're dead. And then God has to, for us to respond to God, he has to make you, he has to rebirth you to respond. Apart from Jesus, apart from the Holy Spirit, we would never respond to God. And so what God does is he allows us to respond. We're born again. That's why we're born again. John 3 talks about you have to have a spiritual rebirth, right? Because you are spiritually dead and a human can't give birth to a spirit, but only a spirit can give birth to a spirit. And that's why the Holy Spirit has to rebirth you. So then we're reborn spiritually. And all of a sudden, we was wilding out and kicking it, want to beat people down. All of a sudden, all of a sudden we started finding ourselves not want to beat people down, not want to hustle like we used to hustle. Maybe your life wasn't like that, but you know, you know, you sinning your other ways too. Whatever way you were sinning, you find yourself not being able to sin the way, same way you used to sin, even though you still sin, right? You still jacked up, but you got your trust in the Savior now, right? So he's, he's dry. So I'm, I'm giving you the picture of what's going on in the lives of these disciples. So now they're like, okay, so we're going to get this power on high. So last week, we see the sense of they're sitting in this upper room. There is a sound of a wind and boom, God gives them this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So the crowds hear the sound. They all show up. They all get, the, 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 the guys in the upper room or wherever they were, they get baptized, they come out and they're speaking in other tongue. But it's a tongue that everyone else around there can hear and understand. The reason why that was important was because these people who gather, gather for a festival, right, uh, of Pentecost, where it was people from all over the world who were Jews from, from being dispersed in different lands. Because remember, throughout the history, Jew, Jews have been beat up in, by the Syrians and the Medes and the Persians and the Greeks and the Babylonians, right? And so we had Jewish people in all those places who knew all those languages because they've been there for hundreds of years, okay? Generation after generation. They all come in, but they're still Jewish, and they go, oh my goodness, these street Galileans, right, these, these hood Galileans, right, are speaking like, like I speak. How did they learn that language so quick? There's no hooked on phonics. There's none of that. How did they learn this, right? There's no Rosetta Stone, right? How did they learn this? And so they're blown away. What's going on? What is going on here? What's well, a good setup. That's where we are today. Okay, so that's what we've been reading. That's where we're at. Okay, so here's what happens. Verse 14. But Peter, it says... Standing with the eleven. So, so they're like, what is going on here? And, 
and they say, man, are you drunk with wine? And remember we said last week, they say, well, there's two, it seems like there's always two ways. And, you, and, and this was to me, it's, it's so therapeutic and, and beautiful that no matter how good you do it, no matter how clear you share the gospel, no matter what God is doing, there's always going to be people who are going to really say, man, what's going on? Is that the movement of Jesus? Is Jesus moving supernaturally? Is God doing something? And then in the midst of God doing supernatural things, there's going to always be haters. There's going to always be someone in the midst of God and do miraculous things saying, what are you doing? You, are you drunk? Right? And then they played them. Remember I told you last week, they, they said new wine, right? They didn't even say, hey, you got drunk on the good stuff. They said, are you drunk on grape juice? Right? They try to make fun of them. So this is where we are, guys. So uh, jump into the text with me uh, because hopefully what we got to do here is we're going to have to really focus in on what... on on him talking from the perspective of Joel, one of the minor prophets. He says, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. So, just pause right quick. So who's speaking? Pete, right? All right. Is, this, is there something kind of weird going on here? You notice something? Remember, remember what Peter was like last time we saw him? What was he doing? Last time we were hanging out with Peter and Luke, he was denying Jesus. People walked up to him and said, hold up, I've I seen you before. Aren't you, a, aren't you a Galilean? He said, no, I ain't no Galilean. <laughs> Jesus, who's Jesus? He denied Jesus. Right? He, was a, he, was a, he was basically at some level a spiritual wimp. Now you got that same Peter who comes outside. There's a, there's a hundred or something people speaking in tongues. Who, right? A hundred people could have said, hey, hold up. Let me tell you what's going on. Am I fair? Peter. Peter steps out the crowd and says, hold up. Let me, let me tell you a little something about the gospel. What's the difference here? I want to clearly proclaim to you that the difference is the Holy Spirit. The difference is God did something in his heart. God baptized him to equip him for missional work, for kingdom extension. And all of a sudden, the same dude who was a whip a couple of chapters ago is standing before people and can get the same consequence, but doesn't care. He doesn't care. In fact, Rome is more powerful now. <laughs> there could be more drama now. And yet he says, this, this talk, this talk. And I love what he does here. You see what he does? He gets kind of street. He says, he says, verse 15, for these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is the only the third hour of the day. He says, man, it's nine in the morning. It's too early to get high. You see what he said? He got, he just, he, he just brought it down with him, right? Because in the, in the Jewish uh, times, uh, basically this would be nine in the morning, a uh, couple hours and third hour of the day. And it was, they, they wouldn't just get drunk during this time anyway, but especially during a festival time. So especially during Pentecost, these guys were very serious about up, upholding their Jewish statutes. And so they would not get drunk in the daytime. And a lot of these guys would even be fasting during this time. So, be asked, so he's like, guys, let's fight fair. You know we're not drunk. Right? And he begins his first sermon. This is Peter's first sermon, right? He, he's going he's to bring it. He's like, I'm up here, I'm going to teach. He says, um, these guys are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's the third hour of the day. And then he starts to say and talk about this sense of last days. But before we go there, I want to ask a question. Um, my mom would always say to me, and, and, and she, she knows a lot about the gospel. Um, there's a lot of pain in her heart, so I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she's a believer. I mean, she affirms attendance, but there's a lot of junk. She's had a, a, a hard journey. But she would always say to me when she was living, um, when, she was, when I was younger, she would always say, baby, now we live in the last days, right? And, uh, you know, she wouldn't have any scripture or anything. She would just always say that. And I thought, that's deep. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I'm six, seven. And, um, and y'all know y'all got parents who say crazy stuff like that, too. They be saying stuff. You, today, you still wonder why they said that. But let me ask you a question. Are we, are we living in the last days? Are we living in the last days? Right? 
We ask that question, right? And I want to pause here for a little bit. I want to, I want to let's go to some scriptures and see what the scriptures say. Uh, if you guys have some scriptures, you can throw those out as well. But I want to um, to see what the Lord says about this whole last day piece. Can we go to a few scriptures? In First John two eighteen, scriptures read: Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. So he's giving this picture of that there's these, there's these two worlds that we're battling against, okay? But notice this, and the world is passing away, along with his desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. In the sense of, uh, this, will, this will kind of be an, 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 an error sense, like it's, it's passing away and it's begun to pass away. It's kind of the grammatical terminology. Okay, this thing has begun. Let's continue on. Uh, children, it is the last hour. See that? And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. He's making it really clear. So we have the sense of last hour. I want to pause here because there are some things that we say at MacAv that we can kind of just think, oh, yeah, I get that. I get the now and not yet. I want, to, I want to stay there just for a little bit today so that we can all be held accountable. That when you leave here today, I hope you really understand this concept because this concept is extremely important to understanding what your plight is as a Christian and what the New Testament is telling you and what we should be about. Extremely important. Okay. Therefore, we know it's the last day. 1 Corinthians 10, verses 6 through 12. Now these things took place as examples for us. This is Paul talking to the Corinthians, guys, that we might not desire evil as they did. Right? So he's saying these things, the things that are going on, the writings, the things that you're reading right now, here's why we read the Bible. Do not be idolaters, some of them as, uh, were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual morality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. You see what, he's keep, what he keeps doing? You're like, well, why do I read the Old Testament? Why do I read the New Testament? We read it so that every time you see them do something jacked up, you won't do it. That's why you read the Bible. You read the Bible, it's a historical account that God is real. Jesus is not a hobby, right? He's not like collecting marbles. The man actually rose from the dead, walked the earth, lived a perfect life. And he's saying, guys, this thing is real, right? We just our term these days, it's going to get real. This is real. And he's like, look, don't, I put this stuff down in a book for us so you can go, wow, man, they're just as crazy as me. They're just as jacked up as me. Lord, give me grace. Allow me not to fall prey to these things, right? Now, these things happened to them as an example. You didn't believe me. I'm proving it here. But they were written down for our instruction. So the scripture's telling you. This ain't Eric. It ain't your pastor. Scripture's saying they're written down for our instruction. On whom the end of, wait a on whom the end of the ages has come. It's written down for your and my instruction on whom the end of, the end of ages are here. Boom. They have come. They're now. Right now. You and me. This is important. He's saying this is important, guys, for us, right? Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Do you see that piece? The end of it is, hey, if you read the scriptures and then you go, man, I'm not as stupid as those people, you just missed it. That's his point. Read it and have deep humility and have a passion to yield to the Holy Spirit. And also thank the Lord for Jesus. That's the whole point. And says, hey, make sure you're standing on Christ. Let's you fall. Continue on, please. I'm trying to prove, I'm trying to, I hope I'm solidifying. There's something about us being in the last days, and then I want to talk about what that means practically. 7, 29, 31. My mama was right, right? This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. The appointed time now, from now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, as those who mourn as though uh, they were not mourning, as those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods. Verse 31. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. Continue on, please. Is that all we got? Okay. All right, let's pause here. So here, here, here's where we're going. It seems really clear in scriptures that, that we are now in the last days. Okay? We are now in this time where the last days have begun. Now, what I want to do, I wish I had a, a marker up here. I want us to understand that the last days began at Jesus Christ's death and crucifixion. Right? And at his resurrection. They began there. 
right? And that basically we are now, then you have the end of the last days at the end of the age, okay? The end of the last days, and then you have new creation. What we are in, we are right in the middle of that. We are living in the middle of the beginning of the last days and the end of the last days. That's where you and I are finding ourselves, okay? And so now, what that means, and you can write this address down, Mark 4, I'll just read the whole chapter, but verse 11 in particular, what that means is that the end of the age of the kingdom of God, right, has arrived fully, but not yet fully, It's arrived, but it hasn't fully accomplished itself. And that's a surprise. That was a very big surprise to the Jews, okay? And at the same time, the the, the end of the age, the fallen world, the world that's passing away, is passing away, but it hasn't fully passed away yet. Let me say it another way. You and I, what's, what's crazy about this kingdom, so we get this Holy Spirit, we get the person, the second person of the Trinity. He says, what I've done is that when I died on the cross, what I did was I allowed the, 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 the aspects and the power of new creation to burst into this, this, this fallen, d- destructive, decreated age, boom, burst in right now. And I've given you the power of the age to come, but I haven't given you everything in the age to come. That's where we live. We live between the beginning of the kingdom of God and the consummation of the kingdom of God. And so now here's the the issue. When we're going through scriptures, especially even as we look at Acts, the, the biggest question we've been asking ourselves over and over again, to be honest, is what is it like to live as a Christian? This is what we deal with as we walk with the Lord. What is it like to live as a Christian in a time when where the power of the kingdom of God has already arrived, but not in its fullness yet? Right, And a time when the end of the age has fallen, but hasn't fully fallen. How do you and I live in between that? That's really the question, right? Where the, 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 the fallenness is not yet fully over. So, what should we expect before Jesus returns? When you think we're in the last days, what do you usually think of when you hear last days? Okay, world's going to be burnt up. Thank you. Anything else? I agree. You think of last days. War. Thank you. Right? Matthew 24. Yep. Perilous times. Thank you. So, so yeah, this concept, like, that's absolutely. So when you, when you and I think of last days, we think of, we always think, we think destruction and negativity, correct? Is that fair? Right? We think, oh, man, it's going to be jacked up. It's going to be crazy, right? Left Behind series. You think of all the different movies that, you know, it's just all, it's crazy, right? Okay. Let me, let's look at some scripture verses. It says, but understand this. This is 2 Timothy 3, verses uh, 3 through 9. We're going to get to our text, but I need to set, a, I need to set a, a paradigm up for us, and here's why. Because you and I can read... Um, uh, Acts 2 and then we read what the prophet Joel says and if we don't pause to understand what they already understood we're going to miss it see the stuff that we're talking about right now was it was something that they were even they were wrestling with and they were they were, they were trying to understand this paradigm so we got to make sure that we're wrestling with the same thing so that's my point okay that's what the reason why we're doing this guys so it says but understand this that in the last days there will become times of difficulty as my man said right just apparel uh, for, for people who will, will be lovers of self and, and by the way as we're reading this remember you just said we're in the last times take a sober look at this as you're reading it remember he's talking about us now okay there will become times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to the parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Having the appearance of godliness but yet denying its power. You can look like you have the Holy Spirit and not be spirit-filled. Continue on, please. Is that is it one verse I put up? He must have, he knew I was going to. Is that the next slide? Thank you. Okay. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into household and capture weak women, burdened with sins and, lead, and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. You see that? You, you, you ever seen someone like that? Always learning, but you never arrive at the knowledge of truth. 
wow, doesn't that sound weird? Process that. You can sit in here, and I tell you, one of the biggest compliments for me as your pastor, and I said this about, I'll just put Amber on blast, but even also, you know, Shayla B., I just, I just, I love when I'm sitting with our people, and they're talking about the things of God, and I'm like, and you can tell that they've been learning, and they've been actually implying it in their heart, right? I was watching Amber with her boyfriend, and man, just listen to her talk about the kingdom. I was, as her pastor, so proud of her. I was like, man, you're saying things like that, and not about pride, but you weren't saying, you know, eight months ago. And you're pro- you process things. And the scariest thing for me is when I sit with people, and we've been teaching and caring for three years, and I'm like, you're still saying the same crap that you said three years ago. We got to be careful to make sure that we are not just learning to learn, but I love how he says, but we are actually having knowledge of truth. All right? We got to make sure we do that as a body, guys. I'm praying to that because this is how people are, right? Left until not being led by the Spirit, I will do the same thing and all of us will. So we got to say, man, I don't want to just learn more. I want God to allow my vernacular to change when it was saying something crazy. I want to I learn, learn. He says, just as Jonas and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. Uh, but they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all as, what that, as was that of those two men. Second Peter, this is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing that first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days um, with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. So am I making you like, man, Eric, okay, I get it. Please go to another verse. I get it. These are the last days. I want to say, but these are the last days and we're living in them. But what does that really mean? Continue on. They will say, where is the promise of his coming, right? You got some people because we're saying, hey, he's supposed to come. Right? We got it good. Can you imagine Jesus rising from the dead, getting you all hyped, giving you the Holy Spirit and saying, I'll be back soon. Those guys thought he was coming in that generation. That's why they, that's why they chest roll up. They're like, what? What you going to say to me? Boy, Jesus coming back his own. Right? Talking to people, you know, trying to, right? And all of a sudden, people start dying. People, right? The people start dying. Like, wait a minute. Why pe- people dying? Jesus, you people come back before Freddie died. What's, what? Jesus, Right? They had, to, they had to rethink their theology. Uh-oh. Right? And now 2,000 years. Guess what, guess what the unbelievers say? Man, y'all thought Jesus was coming in the first century. Ah. 2014. Y'all still gathering together, worshiping some dude who died. Right? That's the struggle. That's faith. That's Christianity. Right? All they got to do is find a body, and then we'll all go back to doing whatever we was doing. But they can't. Because he rose. Right? And so... They are making fun of people, right? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. You see that? For they were deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, which is about purification. Not about blowing the world up. He's talking about purification. Um, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Now, are there any more verses? Cool. Luke 21. And while some were speaking of the temple, how was it adorned? And with the noble stones and offering, he said, because in the temple, he like, oh, we love our temple. It's awesome. We got a temple again. Praise the Lord. He says, as for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. He says, we gonna, this temple is going to get destroyed because guess what? I'm the temple, right? Ain't about y'all temple. So I'm going to make sure you understand that. We're going to destroy that. I'm going to have some pagans destroy that. We're going to be sweet. Y'all going to have to deal with understanding I'm the king. This is Jesus talking, right? Uh, just sort of caring for the people. And he says, and they asked him, teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, see that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am he. And at that time is at hand. And I'm sorry, the time is at hand. And we've seen that. A lot of people acting like they're Jesus, acting like they're saviors, going to caves, drinking poison, and killing 20, 30 people. We've experienced that madness, right? Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, uh, do not be terrified, for these things must first, first take place, but the end will not be at once. All right, now, we're reading a lot, but I'm, I'm, we're, understand what you're reading there. Let's continue on. Is that it? Okay, 
So these verses are showing us that, man, when you think of the last days, you think of, man, this is it's destruction, it's crazy, um, it's going to be just treacherous, right? So we should expect that. But now I want to turn to Joel. And this is why I want to turn to what Peter said in Joel. Because I, I want to propose to you that I think that's a little unbalanced. That's imbalanced. And in Joel, I want to see a more balanced picture that which is what you hear a lot of time in the prophets, okay? And is what we, exp- what we expressly see in our practical life. So jump back into text with me, and we're going to look at what Joel says. In verse 16, this is Peter. But this is what, so you, you follow me so far? So Peter says, hey, guys, we weren't drunk. And I, I try to make clear that they already, he, he already had in his mind that, man, the, when we talk about the last days, things are crazy. So before we jump into Joe, I want us to understand that. But now we're going to jump into Joe and see how balanced Joe is in his expression of what happens during the last days. Which Joe, by the way, is a prophet. If you didn't know, um, they call him one of the 12 minor prophets because his books are much smaller. Um, uh, with the 12, pro- the 12 minor prophets versus the really large books of the major prophets. That's why they call him the minor prophet. And his focus of his, of his book uh, was talking about um, uh, how, is- how Israel and, uh, and Jerusalem had done a lot to just dis- dismay and, and, and dog out the father. And how... Um, God was going to judge them and talked about the locust plagues and things of that sort. But at the same time, he was going to also do a beautiful thing in newly creating them. What should we expect? Verse 16. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel, the scriptures say. Verse 17, guys. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall see dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, verse 18, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So here is what I would propose a more biblical picture to what happens in the last days. Can you go on? You can go on. To the oppression slide. So, here is what I would propose happens. The Jews understood that they were oppressed. Totally got that, okay? At the same time, they understood that God was going to come and consummate a reign. That, that all God's people were going to reign. But what they never thought, and this was so weird, they never thought they would be, there would be a parenthesis. They, never, they, never, they always thought when Jesus comes on the scene or whoever the Messiah was going to be, that just right then he was going to come and he was going to take over and he was going to rule and that his people were going to rule with him. That it was going to be oppression and then the Messiah comes and then full kingdom reign. But what happens is the parentheses, which we've been talking about for the last 25 minutes, where we live. What's happened is God said, but in between that, that consummation of the rain is that I'm going to come, die for the world's sins, die for all creation, rise from the dead, institute my reign. It's going to be fully instituted, provide my people who now understand that they're reigning with me power to proclaim me to the world so that we might see more worshipers understand who I am and worship me. And we're going to do this all while we're in this age. And then I'm going to come and I'm going to fully consummate this age. Can you imagine the paradigmatic shift for the, for, the, for the Jews at that point? Oh my goodness, wait. So we're here? That'd be very hard. Very difficult. And guess what? It's very hard and difficult for us today. Now let me go back and just look at a few things. When you look at your text, notice what he says here. The key indicator why this was very difficult was because he te- this is Peter quoting prophecy. And what does he say? That Jesus says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And yet you have to go further down and ask for Jesus, for Jesus to give Peter a dream just to know that he's not supposed to be a bigot. You see that? Peter already quoting stuff that he didn't even believe in. He's still sitting there thinking, no, it's it's about the Jews. It's about Jewish dominance. We're going to go and do our thing because, right? Because we even see in Galatians, he's still struggling. He don't even want to have a ham sandwich, right, with the Gentiles, right? And and, and Paul has to rebuke him. So here is Peter in the beginning quoting something. All flesh is not just Jews. There's more people who have flesh than Jewish people, right? And so here he is quoting this text. My point there is this was really hard for the Jews to grab hold of the fact that, no, God was going to do something radical. He's going to pour his spirit out on all flesh. 
Yes, sir. Actually, it's all people groups. It would be ethnoi, which even ministered to our point. So um, my man Nate is asking, is that like all individual people or is it people groups? Like what kind of people? Ethnoi, it would be all people groups, all nations, right? That all nations will know me and be able to have my spirit. Good question. So thanks for telling me to, to share that. So let me ask a question, guys. So, you, you, so my, my, before I ask a question, I, wanted, I want to pause here real quick and talk about this whole sense of pouring out my spirit. You see how, you see the determination, you see what happens when the spirit is poured out here? Now, we all made a determination a couple weeks ago that the reason why God baptized us or fills us with the spirit, right, is not for us to just be more powerful, but it's for kingdom extension, right? It's for God to be glorified. It's for the word of God to go out. It's for mission, right? For people to become worshipers of Jesus, right? So I want to propose that a good deduction is that the reason why God gives us these spiritual gifts is for mission, which I propose is one of the main reasons I don't think the gifts have ceased. Why? Because he still has us on mission. Even though I can go theologically too, I think pragmatically, it, to me, it doesn't make much sense if God is saying, I provide signs and wonders. So people go, wow, no one's talking about Jesus. And I just had a dream about this Jesus figure. And I came to Christ in the middle of nowhere in Africa or in the middle of nowhere in, in northern Russia, which there's documentations of these kind of, kind of, kind of phenomenons. And I propose that the reason why some of these things happen is because God is so committed to his glory that he can, he can break any rule he wants to break for his glory. So my point there is I'm proposing, again, and there's other brothers who are way more smarter than me, who have more degrees. I do, I'm extremely convicted about this, though, that God gives spiritual gifts for the advancement of his kingdom. And because his kingdom is still advancing, God is still doing these supernatural things in our world. And look at him. He says, man, dreaming dreams, Right? We know it's healings, and, and he says, and may, I love how he, I love what he says. He says, and these and these gifts I'm given, they're not just for the elite. He says for servants. So everybody, I want everybody to be witnessing who I am. Now, and the main one I propose is the prophecy, the 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 the, the, the voice of truth telling, right? Proclaiming the oracles of God to people, right, in our community. So can I ask a question real quick as we move on, guys? What does it look like to prepare for God's outpouring of the Spirit in our community? What does it look like? Let me ask those two questions. What does it look like for God to just, just pour out His Spirit in our community, for us to, to see Him guide us, fill us, allow us to yield to Him, and to see God move miraculously for mission, not so guys go, man, that church, those guys, I'm telling you, they got some really good gifts. That's crazy. You know I'm not like, that's not, that's not our deal at MacAv. But for God to be glorified, for people to hear the gospel clearly, for God to use his signs and wonders to validate that he's king, what does it look like? And then, what does it look like for you and us, you and I, to discern the Spirit's work? Because just because something happened spiritually doesn't mean it was the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we've got to really ask ourselves those two questions. Like, what's our expectancy? What are we expecting God to do in our community? And then, how do we say, man, that was from the Lord? Give me two minutes of just a little convo. Chop it up. What's up? How do we give me some thoughts, guys? Yeah, the Holy Spirit, that's a weird everybody like, mm-hmm, I don't want to say nothing crazy and they think I'm So, 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 yeah, Ethan's saying we need to submit every aspect of what we see in spiritual works to the authority of Scripture. So if Scripture is saying something different than what you experience, you've got to chalk your experience up to something crazy. Are we willing to do that is a question. That's another issue. Josh. So, one of the, so we can look at some of the fruit, Right? So people being in one accord, so all, everybody agreeing that it's from the Lord. This is a this is a, 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 a iffy issue, but we need to be processing these things as we're spiritual people, right? In that parentheses, Mike. Then I'm gonna keep moving. I love that because I, my only 
my only fear about fruit is we would have to determine like what fruit, you know, because I, because like you can be happy, right? Because God has done something, and that cannot be from the Lord, right? Because even um, and we'll we'll see we'll see in Acts uh, we have a guy who's uh, we have a lady who's really excited about Peter and Paul proclaiming the gospel in Acts, and she keeps talking about these guys are awesome, these guys are awesome, right? And you think, wow, that's cool. She just put them on blast, giving them a little free publicity. And, wh- and what what do they do? They cast out a demon. <laughs> That's what they did. Shut up. So, you know, in your mind, you think, well, hey, she's, she likes what they're doing. It's exciting. Wow, this is cool. And Paul said, look, you, you're talking too much. Demon out. So, so we, but, but, but fruit is extremely important. We got to just make sure. I think we'll see things like repentance, holiness, right? We'll see, we'll see character fruit. Not, not like return on investment fruit. You know what I'm saying? That's hatred. All right, so I just want to, I think that's something we could be chopping up as a covenant community. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, sorry. It's you're saying, like, how do you even, how can people want, like, these external manifestations but we don't have love and trust? Did I get you right there? Mm-hmm. So you're saying we got people need to like step four. I just want to make sure I'm understanding you that like if we have a community where there's suspicion and lack of trust and a lack of people desiring to say, Lord, use me, then how do things actually increasingly represent Christ? But if God does fill us with the spirit and we start to build relationship, we start to trust, we start to build an environment where the spirit can work. You're saying that that seems to be more advantageous for God's glory. Am I getting you right? Amen. It's messy, huh? <laughs> yeah, it is really messy. And we need to have the combo. So just want to bring that up because that's something that's kind of, Im- that's, impl- that's implicit in this text here. I'm going to continue on for the sake of time, guys. Uh, we're going to go to verse 19. So he's pouring out, he says, I'm pouring out my spirit on all flesh. He's talking, he's, he's talking to these people. He doesn't know who's a believer, who's not. He's trying to help them understand what's happening now, where Jesus has come and this whole Pentecost thing is happening. He's explaining it to them. And it says, and I will show wonders in the heavens, how many pause here? So what was that? Was that was that good or bad? What he was saying in verses uh, sixteen through eighteen. Good stuff, and that's happening in the last days. Okay, which is very different than what we usually think of, right? Let me continue on now. He says, and I will show wonders in verse nineteen in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, uh, blood. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, a great magnificent day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, here's, here's, a, here's a point that seems to be in the text. Is that Satan wants you and me and the world to think that God forgot his promise. He wants you and me to think that God has forgotten his promise. And that's why, even when we talk about destruction, we think, oh man, it's going it's to be crazy. It seems what the, pro, the, the posture in the scriptures is that although it will be bleak, right, there is evil rampant. We do see wars and rumors of wars. That while at the very same time, we see God's kingdom extending itself. We see the people of God being filled with the spirit. And we see the people of God going out and proclaiming the gospel, being willing to die and seeing martyrdom's death. And they're representing the suffering of Christ where people can see the cross of Christ in the people of God and God is being glorified while at the same time. Why is that happening at the same time? Because it seems that what the Lord wants you and me to understand, he wants you and me to have perspective. He wants you and me to have perspective that 
that God is saying either if you see good things where Christ is being exalted and God is being proclaimed, that gives us hope. Wow, the Lord is on the move. The Lord is completing what he said. The Lord is doing what he said he's going to do. When we see signs and wonders, when we see faithfulness, when we see love, when we see gospel proclamation, when we see sacrificial service, we are convinced that God is moving and God is doing his thing. God is also saying, though, for you and me, family of God, that even when we see destruction, when we see pain and we see brokenness, we can now have hope. While God said this was going to happen and that it has to happen as he continues to bring about his return. I'm proposing that actually the good and the bad builds hope that we have a good God who's going to make all things straight. And he's begun that process at the cross and the resurrection. And he's going to end that process when he returns. And so for you and me, that builds us, that gives us hope in every aspect of life. And that's why it seems that the the, the writers can say, I tell you, rejoice in all things, rejoice. See, those words mean something. You understand, he's saying no matter what happens. That's why he says both the maker of the good and the bad days and the maker of them both. And so when you have pain, when you fail exams, when you're sadly a, a baby dies or something happens in your family or there's relational brokenness, all those things, or you, you pay off your mortgage and you, you get off your debt and you have a great marriage and your kids are awesome and, all the, and you have a great relationship with someone, all those things points to God's promise. Everything points to God's promise and our desire to want him to return. So I want to say right in the midst of terrorism and war and persecution and natural disasters that we have the end time church of Christ finishing the Great Commission at the same time. At the same time. Welcoming the king. We have signs and powerful prophecies. Things are happening. Happening. Which, I love what he's doing here. So this is Peter. That, that's all, that, that was all backdrop stuff. That was just stuff that's happening in Joel. Just want us to understand when we look at those prophecies, what is God really saying? That's what he's saying, is that we have hope. It's God is going to recreate his people. God is going to restore us. God is on the move and he's doing that now. And God is empowering you and me to be those agents. And look what he does here. Remember, he's preaching now. So at the end, look what he does. He brings them to a... It seems it's so clear, like to a natural sense of asking a question, like, okay, if all that's going on, if that's going to happen, then how do I make it out of all this? Paul, Peter, right? How, what do I do? Right? That's what he, and he says. Even at the end of it, he says, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see that good ending? He quotes, I love it. He brings it to the sense of like, but you know, all these things are going to happen. It's going to be jacked up. But guess what? There is shelter. There's comfort. There's a rescuer. There's hope. And he brings it back to the gospel. And he's going to share that clearly throughout the message that we'll see next week. But I just want to pause and just say, think about it. Your gracious God created out of love, right? The, the, the story doesn't start with sin. It starts with God's love. And he creates us that purpose, value, and worth. We choose to be our own gods. We should have been destroyed, but God didn't do that. He continued to show his love and faithfulness and kindness by bringing uh, individuals from Israel and then the children of Israel and saying, be a light to the nations and let them know that, that I can be their God too. They continue to refuse. He could have destroyed us, but he didn't. The scriptures say, instead of destroying us, he sent the rescuer Jesus. And he sends Jesus as our king. He sends Jesus as our payment of sin. And then Jesus lives a perfect life goes up to the hill of Golgotha, goes up on a cross and dies for all creation, you and me, the trees and everything, to make them new. And the scripture says, now, salvation, true life, everything points to the salvific work of our king, that Jesus is our treasure. And now we all have two choices. We can say, oh, I used to be my own God. I love being my God. But now, by God's grace, the Holy Spirit is putting in my heart to say no to being my own God. And yes, to you being my God. That I want to be friends with God. And that happens by not jumping through hoops, but by faith. We give our faith. We say, Lord, by faith I choose you as my king. By faith I repent of my sin and trust you as my savior. By faith I agree with you that I'm evil and I need my God. I need my creator back in my life. And God says in the scriptures that when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he's the Lord, that he's the king, 
that he's a perfect sacrifice, that he's a rescuer, that he saves us. And the Bible says he does something in us. He regenerates us and makes us alive again spiritually. And now we are back on that road of the purpose that we were intended to have. Now we're able to be back on mission to make known the good deeds, the person and work of Jesus Christ, our King. That's what all this is about. That's why we meet together. We get to exalt God. We get to enjoy him forever. We get to see him make us more like him. We get to enjoy each other. All this is about Jesus. And that's what he's telling these guys. This is what Jesus already told us is going to happen. And it's happening. And he's saying, guess what? If you have a shelter of Christ, you'll be saved. Guys, when you think about that beautiful message of the gospel, who Christ is, I just want to ask you to continue to think about, as we shared last week, be inviters. If God is that prophecy, he's saying it happened to you and me. He's saying that he's poured his spirit out on all flesh. We have God's Holy Spirit. And that's why you keep being drawn to the things of God. That's why you keep going, man, I, there's something more. He says, now you make me known. I'm convinced in this body, you look around, look at how uncommonly we are. All the different people groups in here. Look at what God is doing. See what God is doing? This is uncommon. The world doesn't do this. And I want to encourage you, continue to be inviters. Continue to say, I want to see God do something so crazy in this local community, in our local body, that we just point to Christ. He's poured out his spirit upon all flesh. We dream, we prophesy, and we see the wonders of God. Pray with me, please. Lord, thank you for, in this text, bringing these guys to a point of decision and saying, we're not drunk. What you're seeing right now is something that you said long ago, that you were going to give everybody your spirit who sees you as king. And thank you for doing that in our life. And we pray, Jesus, you would empower us to proclaim that same hope to this community, to our neighbors, that we don't have to live a whole life apart from you and die apart from you and experience judgment in hell, but we can experience true life in Christ. So I pray, give us a tenacity to talk to our, our moms and our dads and our friends and our neighbors and our spouses and whoever doesn't have that, that hope in Christ. Would you do that, Jesus? Would you give us that grace? And for us, would you give us perspective that both the good and the bad, Lord, it's all you just showing how you are fulfilling your promise. And so although tragic and horrible and we are sad when we see wars and rumors of wars and brokenness and pain, Lord, with tears in our eyes, we can say, our king's coming and he's going to make it right. And as we see beautiful babies and good relationships and, and great quiet times at Starbucks, we can just sit back and say, God is good and he's been so gracious to us. And in all that, we just see you sovereignly in control of it all. May you be exalted, and may we be a body who proclaims with these guys, with those in the upper room, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In Jesus' name, amen.